We're going to be talking about uh, family today and, of course, the, the Christmas story. And so let's begin over in, um, I'm going to begin over in Matthew, and then we'll be uh, looking at a couple passages in Luke as well. So uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. I'll be reading this morning in the New Living Translation, and I'm sure I'll quote lots of King James as well. But um, we'll begin there, uh, Luke or excuse me, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, I'd really just, as a man and a husband, I really have to stop to comment that, um, you know, Brother Hagin always said, uh, people want lots of supernatural manifestations, and he said, well, sometimes you get such a supernatural manifestation, that just means there's rough sledding ahead. And so Joseph was a little overwhelmed by Mary trying to communicate to him, this pregnancy is from God. This is not from another man. And so the angel had to appear to Joseph in a dream. So I just know that uh, that's not common, but if you need it, God will supply it so that you can stand firm on his promise and stand firm on his word. And sometimes you get it, and you might wish you didn't get it because you're like, whoa, That's really amazing. Now I have something fabulous to hold on to, and you might not understand at the time, but later on, you'll see, oh, now I know why that was so spectacular, because I really needed something uh, very solid and very uh, amazing to hold me steady in that time. And so um, sometimes, you know, you go as much by what the Lord doesn't say as what he does say, and so sometimes... Uh, if you're not having some spectacular experiences, you should be thankful. <laughs> you should be very thankful. And uh, God is a good God. So verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Uh, but he, he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. I think that's the scripture right there for uh, some people try to deify Mary, but really, and they say, uh, you know, they didn't even have uh, sex their whole marriage, but that scripture right there, you pick your translation, uh, says that they really did after the baby was born. Now we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 35. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, 
Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. Uh, His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be, uh, to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Now, chapter 2, verse 1. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and lied him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord surrounded them, excuse me, appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel, joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those whom God is, with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven... The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph there with the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying God, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that he came as one of us, that he lived as a human, that you came to live inside of humanity, to reveal yourself uh, and to make a way for all of us to come into your family. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. Right now as we speak, we trust you that uh, utterance will come from you out of my mouth and that our hearts and eyes spiritually will be open to see and to know. We thank you for confirming your word with signs following. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to talk for just a couple minutes today uh, about family and about your family. 
And I think it's real interesting when you look at just this portion of the Christmas story, the Christmas event, you find that, you know, God could have, well, I don't know what he could have done. But you think in your mind, there's many ways that Christ could have come. But God actually put his blessing upon the institution of the family with a father and a mother. And you see, Jesus was birthed into a, a family with a mom and a dad. Now, uh, maybe uh, your family, you're from a family, or maybe your current family, maybe somebody's missing or somebody's lacking. You know, uh, God is a father to the fatherless, and he's a husband to the widow. And so, you know, whatever you lack... Jesus makes it up, right? And uh, he'll make a way where it seems like there is no way. And so this is not a message of condemnation for where uh, you find yourself today. But this is a message of God's love for the family and God's plan for the family. And so God has a plan for every single family. He has a plan for your family and for your life. When I look over here, this is in your face, so I'm going to move it so I can see you. God has a plan, and it's a good plan. And uh, when you do things God's way and you honor the things of God and the way he has things set up, oh, there is blessing beyond measure that you experience. And your satisfaction and your fulfillment of life just rise to the top and go way above. And so the world has many ideas about families, but God is the author of the family. And God created Adam, and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. He was not saying it's not good for males to be alone only. He was saying it's not good for mankind to be alone. And so from the second that you come into the family of God, you actually come into a family, a relationship with God who becomes your father and you are his child and so I don't know uh, about your family I only know about my family and it's not perfect but God is perfect and so if we're targeting perfection if we're uh, a young child it seems like most of you are on this side if we're a young child are there any young children over here they're all over here all right, so I'm going to preach to you for a second. So if we're young and we're expecting perfection out of our parents, well, you're going to be very, very disappointed because your parents are not perfect. I did not find that out, actually. I'm sorry I'm telling the secret. They're going to be mad at me, maybe. I didn't find that out until I was in my early 20s that, I, you know, I was like, what, my parents aren't perfect? Like, everything wasn't perfect, you know? Um, but your parents have to follow God just like you have to follow God. And they have to learn the voice of God, follow the leading of the Lord, be led by the Spirit, just like you have to be led by the Spirit. And for parents that are on both sides, I see, uh, for parents, your children are not perfect. And your children are not your opportunity to fix your mistakes when you were young. I always wanted to go to this prestigious school or that prestigious school, so you have to go to this or that prestigious school. No, the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child in the way he should go. And your training 
is not primarily by what you say, except for what you say represents your lifestyle. But your training of your children and other people, if you're in a position to train other people, your training is primarily by what you do. And saying is something that you do, but you can't just say, uh, I want you to have integrity and be responsible and take care of all these things and then demonstrate the opposite and expect those children to do what you say, not what you do. So one of the most challenging things of children is when you see uh, weaknesses of yourself reflected in them. <laughs> You're like, that's Melody's child. <laughs> She's like, that's Tim's child. No. Uh, God planned a family. And Jesus should set us all free from the fear of having to be perfect. Because he was perfect for every single human, so we don't have to be. And that doesn't mean that we don't uh, strive for what's right and strive to follow the Lord, but what it means is our life is not based on our performance. Our relationship with God is not based on our performance. It's based on Christ's performance. And so one of the greatest things as parents that we can give to our children is to demonstrate a life of humility and a life of submission to God. Because I think about my children so many times. Uh, I know my own life. Uh, life has a way of um, throwing experiences at you at times that you don't expect and type of experiences that maybe you have not planned for. And uh, you're like, this was not in the manual, the life manual. You know, I did not expect this. Well, uh, if you read the Bible, maybe you find out it says that trouble will come. Because the Bible actually promises you that trouble will come. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Right? And so the world will bring you lots of trouble and lots of opportunities to uh, say and do the wrong thing. But the man or woman, the boy or girl who acts in faith, will experience what Jesus himself experienced, an overcoming of the world and the world system and even their own stinking flesh. Jesus was tempted in all points just like we are, yet he was without sin. And the reason he was was to fulfill what was prophesied, but also to make it possible that we could overcome that same thing. If he hadn't overcome it, we have no hope to overcome it. But there is not one sin, one temptation, one struggle, one trial that would come against you, but what Jesus has already overcome it. And so if he overcame, we can overcome. Luke 2.14, the King James says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, goodwill toward men. Amplified says, Glory to God in the highest, heaven, and on earth, peace among men, with whom he is well pleased, men of goodwill or men of his favor. So even the announcement from the angels in heaven, and they begin to sing, and I like New Living, it says like all of the, the warring angels even joined in and began to start to sing, glory to God in the highest, you know, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That 
as a, as a parent sometimes, we have four children, so sometimes you just want to say, peace. <laughs> just a little peace. Especially on a Sunday morning, you know, and we're getting this stuff ready and all that stuff. And um, the birth of Christ was, an, was, was announced with a proclamation of peace. And that proclamation of peace was a proclamation of peace with God, that men should be at peace with God. In other words, stop the hostility. So have you ever seen somebody that um, uh, got taken away, uh, they kind of messed up and they got over in the area of sin, and uh, you try to talk to them? Well, they'll bite your head off in just a second, whether they're like a little kid or an adult, because they have this consciousness of sin, and there's like a hostility, uh, especially if sometimes you talk about the things of God, they'll blah, you know. Well, the angels announced peace on earth. Like a, We've come to like calm this thing down because Christ came and he brought a new life. He's bringing peace. He's bringing peace that passes your understanding. Yeah, that kind of peace too, but peace as far as we're not in opposition anymore. Now, Men are favored of God. And so uh, the world wants to put us against each other, people against people. But God said, no, I want a family. I want peace on earth. And I want everyone to know. Did I say something wrong? And I want everyone to know I favor them. My grace is upon them. I love them. I want them as part of my family with whom I am well pleased. Boy, time flies when you're having fun. So I want to focus on just one scripture this morning, uh, I believe, for the remainder of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Anybody know what's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Love. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love, I'm going to add the word love because it was in the previous verses, but we're just going to look at this one verse talking about our families. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. A couple other translations. Amplified. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. Say all. all. It endures everything. Say everything. everything. Without weakening. Message says, love puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love believes the best. So imagine with me for just a second. I know it's a different kind of message. Imagine with me for just a second a home where the parents believe the best in the children and the children believe the best in the parents. And the brothers (laughs) believe the best in the sisters and the sisters believe the best in the brothers. Oh, peace. Peace. 
But what does that mean to believe the best? Well, for children, many times what it means for the parents to believe the best in the children is that one translation says you put the best possible construction on a situation. In other words, you know, I won't name any names because my children are in here, and even if they were, I probably wouldn't name any names. I try to only talk about the positives if I use the name, not the negatives, you know. But you know, I know with my own children, as they're growing and learning and maturing and they're having different uh, thoughts that they have and different, um, now some of them are starting to have different hormones and uh, different things as they develop and as they grow. Man, I don't want to say all the time, but I can easily say most of the time, the challenges that they have and the things that they say really don't have to do with that particular situation or that particular instance. It's actually a cry for help. It's actually a cry for significance. It's actually a cry to say, please tell me these thoughts that I have about myself are not true. You know, because they may like... Um, uh, speak real harshly to me or say something that, that they've been taught not to say um, or, or do something they've been taught not to do. And if I approach them and say, how dare you, you need to change that, you need to fix that, instead of coming around and loving them, then I get a total different reaction. And so I, I try to just take the time and the patience and figure out, okay, I know what my children are like. And, you know, thank God, like I said earlier, they've all been born again. So I know they have the love of God on the inside of them. And so I see them acting in a way, just think it must be your brother or your sister, not you I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> I see them acting in a way, or this, this, this made-up family, you know. I, I see them acting in a way that has nothing to do with Jesus, <laughs> right? It's exactly the opposite of of Jesus, right? Or maybe you think of yourself and you think, whoa, I don't know why I just acted like that. What happens? Well, sometimes you get in the flesh, you got pressures, you got things going on, and immediately there's a battle. And, and your mind can get bombarded uh, with thoughts, yeah, that come from the devil, but actually thoughts that have stirred in you for years that you have never taken to the blood and to the word and identified with who God made you to be. So these thoughts of, yeah, see, that's right. You do that. You're the worst Christian ever. Uh, you're the worst person ever. Nobody knows. Everybody else is more spiritual than you. Everybody else, the Lord loves them more than you. That's why things work for everybody else, and that's why things don't work for you. That's why the path of your life is, is going worse and worse and worse. He wants you to compare yourself to other people, all these things. And so, but when you see people talking about your children, but also uh, kids, we're talking about your parents. How do you see your parents? Especially teenagers. Where are the teenagers? You know, because you start to be a teenager and you might start to think different thoughts, you know. And you might express some of those thoughts and um, try to communicate those thoughts. 
And uh, that's good. That's normal. That's natural. Just do it in honor, you know, or ask forgiveness. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. You know, you're going to grow. You're going to change. There's things uh, raging in your body, you know. And uh, my kids, sometimes they come to me lately, the older ones, and they're like, oh, my, my, my leg hurts. I'm like, because you're growing like an inch in the last 30 days. What's going on? So you just got physical things, physiological things, hormonal things uh, happening and changing. And, um, but love will put the best possible construction on a situation. And so love will actually be quick to hear and slow to speak. So love will find out, like, hey, what's going on? Sometimes I'll just say to my kids, you know, if they do something really, really bad, uh, boy, I, I, I don't really like to talk to them about it immediately. I like to say, hey, let's go for a walk together. Let's talk. I'll say, how are you doing? I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about what's going on in your life. Well, what kind of thoughts you've been having? Uh, what's going on? Because why? That's not them. But the enemy wants them to identify with that behavior, with that uh, fault, or with that problem, so he can grab hold of them and take them as his own. But when we identify with who God has made us to be, and who God made us to be is not a perfect human. He did not create perfect humans. Have you noticed? But he gave us perfection through Christ. And so I think one of the greatest examples I can be for my children because they will make mistakes and I will make mistakes and I do make mistakes is like, what do you do when you make a mistake? Be quick to repent, quick to forgive, and quick to believe. Quick to repent, quick to forgive, quick to believe. Well, that'll keep your life pretty clean. Uh, that didn't say like live perfect. That said, be quick to repent. What's repentance? Well, uh, the best definition I've ever seen for repentance means you consider the direction that your life is headed and then you look to Jesus and make a decision that points your life straight towards him. Right? So people say like uh, turn or burn, you know, repent of your sins. I mean, I don't think that's the heart, expresses really the heart of God to say it quite that way. Um, but literally you would be turning from darkness and you turn to light. Um, but it's not so much about, you know, God's, God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. God loves every single person. Amen. And the only way someone can get to hell is to choose uh, uh, things that are not God. In other words, you have to choose the things of the world over the things of God in order to get to hell. And somebody said, well, if God is so loving, why in the world would he... Uh, create hell well one of the best ways I can tell you to understand it is God holds the whole world together by the power of his own words and someone who rejects God is saying God I don't want you to be part of my life so I don't know they do some studies in, in science and those type of things but you really can't find a place uh, where God is not but if you could make a place where God wasn't there and there were a bunch of people that said, I don't want anything to do with God, what would it be like? Maybe it would be black as the blackest black you've ever seen because Jesus is the light of the world. 
And maybe it would be burning with fire because even the elements are held together by God. And so if you could actually have a place where God was not, maybe it would be a tormenting place of fire and darkness. This is a Christmas message. (laughs) I'm just helping somebody. So God is a good God. And if you think you can't stand the thought of someone going there, how much more can he not stand that thought? Apparently so much that he said, I'm going to send my one and only son who will die for all the whole world so that no one has to go there. So that every man, every woman, every child can escape that place because I love my creation, because I love my people, because I want a family. And I want them to be part of a family and I want them to be fulfilled. And um, I want them to have love. And so love believes the best. So when, you, when you're, you know, there's a story, and um, I, I apologize, I didn't look it up for this, so I'll just kind of paraphrase it. There's a story of this um, all-boys uh, school, orphanage type of place, and um, the boys got a new uh, leader in the school, and, you know, they were, of course, going to kind of get away with whatever they could get away with and do whatever they could do. And so um, the new leader said, he said, now, boys, I trust you. I know you're going to do what I tell you to do, that you're going to be honorable, that you're going to be upstanding and have integrity. And uh, so as soon as he left the meeting and the boys are off on their own, they're like, oh, uh, we're going to steal this. Oh, we're going to take this. You know what happened? Those boys began to talk among themselves. And they said, oh. They said, it's no, it's no good to dishonor him because he believes in us so much. He sees us as something we don't see ourselves as. And so instead of like taking advantage of that man because he trusted them, it caused those boys to rise up stronger and taller and live with integrity and do the right thing. And so, you know, there is no measure of the influence that you have over your children or over someone else who believes that you believe in them. That you believe they do the right thing, that they go the right way. And so that's what I'm talking about. You talk about like somebody, you know, I'm talking about children, so let's just close it out with talking about adults. Do you know adults are just big kids? Did you guys know that? Adults are just really big kids. And you can tell that because sometimes the same tantrums. <laughs> well, you can go on YouTube, but don't do it without your parents' permission. Let them show you. But you could probably find at an airport some adult on the floor, like, begging their hands, you know. Get me on that flight. Get me on that flight. Just throwing a big fit, throwing a tantrum. <laughs> uh, you know... It's funny how many similarities they are, and we think we have really grown up that much. Uh, But you still have the same flesh. Uh, It just has more power now. Now a lot of times your flesh, if you get upset, your flesh is driving a 4,000-pound weapon. And so you see people with 4,000-pound weapons on the highways all the time. And, uh, you know, lose control. 
and uh, can't handle themselves. And so love believes the best. And sometimes as adults, we don't, won't readily admit it to people or won't admit it to people as readily sometimes as a child. Sometimes as adults, when we're not walking in close fellowship with the Lord, you know, these same thoughts come to bombard you. Like, look at how old you are. Look at what kind of job you have. This isn't your dream as a child. This isn't what you thought would always happen. And sometimes as parents or adults, it's a blessing to have your kids say, I believe in you, Daddy. I believe you can do it. You know, I know I went through, um, when we first started the church, man, I was like, uh, I don't like to talk a lot about it, but just had a lot of uh, challenges and spiritual attacks and those type of things. And I still have on my wall, my kids wrote me these notes and they post it on the wall right beside my bed and just says, I love you, Daddy, you know, and little notes like that. And you know how much those things mean to you? Well, you know, they don't understand all, all the challenges and different things going on. But just that little, just those little words, just I love you from a heart who actually means it. Wow. I'm not saying I, I believe in you. And um, God is good. And, you know, some of my kids like, Daddy, let's just pray. Like last week I said, on the, like on the way to the airport, you know. <laughs> Let's just pray. And so those things right there, see, that's, a, that's a, a mistake. I was exactly the backward example for my children on the way to the airport. The pastor of the church. You know, we all this faith and we're stepping out from Michigan and coming to the uh, whatever land this is, you know. <laughs> God will provide. And he has. But I'm contracting, you know, if you weren't here last week, I'll tell it real quick. And so we're on the way to Baltimore, BWI. I have no idea why I was flying out of BWI. That's a long drive. But anyhow, we were flying out of BWI. And, um, I mean, it was, there was no way we could make it on time. And um, my daughter, Evie, said, um, well, Daddy, let's pray. And I thought, well, what good is that going to do? I'll just be honest. That's, that's really what I thought. Because I was so conscious of time and the limits of time. I was so focused on the time, the time, the time. And so uh, after just a little bit of, oh, come on, Daddy. Then I said, okay, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll pray. So we prayed. Well, sure enough, I don't know how to this day the, the process through which it happened, but we made it in plenty of time. And it wasn't like there was, it was not like there's a traffic jam and the traffic jam cleared up. There was no traffic jam on the thing. It was the time that it takes, the GPS is telling you from there to there, and experience also told me the same thing. Somehow we made it. It should say 45 minutes without traffic, and it was, we got there in like 40 minutes. But we were like 20 minutes behind, something like that. So it was like amazing. Um, but that right there, you know, you could just like go like, well, I'm the worst example of a father. I'm the worst example of a pastor. But instead of that, man, I took it and I used it. So now when Evie would have trouble or somebody else, but especially with Evie, because she was like, oh, Daddy, see, we prayed and it just worked. So if she ever, maybe the one time in life, right? No. Anytime she's ever like challenged with that, I'll be saying, Evie, 
Do you remember when we were on the way to the airport and I was frustrated? I'll say that. And I was frustrated. And we, she's like, yeah. Yeah, we prayed. I said, so we should pray. Yeah. I said, isn't it interesting to feel like I felt when you said we should pray? <laughs> she said, yeah. <laughs> and so instead of that being this failure and this mark of failure, you can take those situations in your family and show, you know what? I am not a perfect parent, but what I do is I just turn my life to the Lord. I'm not even perfect at that all the time. Pressure on the way to the airport, I was not. I was like, oh, I don't know if God can do that. But, you know, if you calm down, you stop, wait a minute, God can do anything. And so I just look to him. And so I just encourage you, especially this season in your own, you know, uh, main family unit there, but also with extended family. Just believe the best and put the best possible construction. Like if Evie was believing the best in that situation, I'm not saying she wasn't. If she was, then she would have thoughts, or she could have it now if I ever got frustrated like that again. She could have thoughts like, oh, he must have a lot of pressure. There's a lot of things going on. I'm just going to help him a little bit uh, just to turn to the Lord. Like, Daddy, we can pray together. Or Isaac could do that, or Daniel, or Joel, you know, and, and we come together. And so you believe the best because God loves your children, and kids, God loves your parents. And the greatest example that a kid could see is a humble parent who walks in love and forgiveness. And in order to be uh, an authority in their life, you don't have to be perfect. Thank God. But I love to teach my children to humble themselves before the Lord by me doing that myself. I love to teach my children that they are not perfect and daddy is not perfect, but we serve a perfect God who has perfect mercy, perfect grace, perfect love. And you see that came down in the perfect package of a little baby, a precious little baby, Jesus Christ. That God loves families. He loves your family. Maybe you're the black sheep of your family, but he still loves you with an everlasting love. And wherever you're at today, wherever you're at today, at this moment, you can make a decision and you can change. 1 Kings chapter 18 says, Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord be God, Follow him. If the Lord be God, follow him. So this is either true or it's not. It, and I know it's true. I have tasted of the Lord and he is good. And I have tasted of the life of faith and it is good. It's scary sometimes on your flesh, especially when you're first getting started living by faith. But once you get it, boy, boy, you, you're just going to like, you're just thrilled. There, there's no end to the possibilities. And you get to do this. You get to live this life. And you get to experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen? Stand with me if you would. If you're watching online or here in the room, uh, I want to give you an invitation. I want to invite you, uh, if you're away from the Lord, uh, maybe you're a believer, you're a Christian, but things have kind of really cooled off in your walk with the Lord and you have uh, turned to other things and 
Nobody really knows that, um, but you know that. Maybe your husband or wife has some, a few indications about that. But I want to invite you today, this uh, Christmas Sunday 2021, I want to invite you to come back to God. Maybe you're not like in a serious backslidden state, but maybe things just aren't right. Maybe your flame is kind of not burning real bright. Revelation actually talks about come back to your first love. I love that phrase, come back to your first love. It didn't really say turn or burn. It said come back to your first love. And so I want to invite you this morning to come back. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not, for this one, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. Um, but I just want you to make a decision in your heart. Lord, I got two to choose from. I choose you. I'm coming back into your house. Uh, maybe you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you just need to, you know, to know that you know. No, this is the way I'm going to go. I have decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. I'm coming uh, back to God. Uh, I'm going to put things in order. I'm not perfect, but he is. Uh, I'm turning the whole weight of my life upon him. That missionary who was trying to get to those natives didn't speak their language. He was trying to figure out how do you explain acting in faith. And finally he came to this point. Uh, there was a guy talking with him, and he said, well, it just means like casting the whole weight of your life upon someone else. And that's really what it is to come to Jesus. But maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never been born again. I want to invite you this morning to give your life to Christ. He loves you, and he has a new life for you. You say, well, how can I have a new life? Uh, I'm middle-aged, or I'm older, or maybe I'm really young. Well, the way you get a new life is on the inside. You are a spirit, whether you recognize it or not. And when you receive Jesus Christ to be your Lord, to be your Savior, when you throw the whole weight of your life upon him, something miraculous and supernatural happens on the inside of your heart. Not your flesh, what we see on the outside, but the real you on the inside, where your motives come from, where the thoughts and intents of your heart are at. What happens is you're recreated by Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes upon you, recreates you on the inside, your nature is changed at its very root and source. So sometimes people are trying to live for God and having such a terrible time because they've never become a new being on the inside. I invite you this morning to become a new being on the inside, a new creature, to be born again. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, if you'd like to give your life to Christ, come into the family of God, I want you just to slip up your hand. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. God has a plan for your life, and it is an awesome plan. And it is a plan of fulfillment beyond your mind's ability to understand or comprehend it, but your heart will leap and rejoice. If you'd like to give your life to Christ, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you, whether you're online or here in the room. Just slip up your hand. God loves you. He's made a way for you. Hallelujah. If you're here in the room or online, and uh, we don't really have a way for you to respond online like that, but if you would like to rededicate your life to the Lord, recommit your life to the Lord, you don't need to slip up your hand. I just want you to make that decision right now in your heart. I have decided.
to come back to God. I have decided I'm going to live for God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You just make that decision right now. And I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer for those who are coming to the Lord for the first time or those really have uh, slid so back that they need to uh, reaffirm through praying that prayer once again. By praying this prayer, what we're saying is, I'm giving my life to God through Jesus Christ. What we're saying is, I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe God raised Jesus from the dead. And I'm making a decision today to follow him, to give my life to him. Believers praying with me. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want you to agree with that prayer in your heart and then pray it after me from your heart. And God will hear that prayer and he will answer your prayer. If you'd like to be born again, or if you're a believer here in the room, I'd like you to pray with me as well. Just say this. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus Christ is your son. And that he died on the cross for me. So I could have real life. So my sins could be taken away from me. So that I could be born again. Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord, my Savior. I'm going to live for you. Father God, fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.